Hi, my name is Paula Escobar. I'm an architect and urbanist. And in this episode, we are going to talk about my thesis that is centered around the question, is the city who shapes the citizens or is the citizens who shapes the city? Thank you so much for joining us and I hope you have a great time with us. Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. to welcome you Paula to Urbanistica podcast hey and welcome hi Mustafa thank you so much I'm very excited to be here thank you so much for uh, reaching out and uh, emailing I'm really happy to, to 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 have you here how are you doing me too I'm very happy I uh, listened to the podcast for a long time and then I hear the podcast uh, that was an episode that was only like you talking about your story and why you did it and you say something that was like that's exactly what I think. I need to contact him. So it was very nice. Thanks. So where are you now? Because I know you're like you have been traveling in the last three years, like or two years. Yeah, it has been a little bit crazy. Right now I'm in Tonsberg in, in Norway. Um, I just arrived here like two months ago, but I expect to move soon again to Oslo. Again. <laughs> okay, but is it for studies or like now you got a job? I am looking for a job right now, uh, but I initially moved to Norway because of my partner. So this time was not so academic. <laughs> okay, so let's start with you. You are our guest, our storyteller. How would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your passion? So my name is Paula Escobar. I was born in Bogota, Colombia, which is a very big and exciting city of which we can talk a little bit more later. Uh, I recently finished my five-year degree in architecture. Um, I speak uh, Spanish, English, French, Italian, and now I'm learning Norwegian. But this basically wow. means that very often my brain is just a mess and I confuse every single language. <laughs> so don't test me. Well, I just moved to Norway and as a fun part, I live on a boat. In a boat? Mm -hmm. yeah. Seriously? Yeah. The last time we met, um, just for, um, yeah, I was in a boat, like moving from ah, okay. from Rotterdam to Norway, in the boat. Okay, this is this is interesting. Also, we need to talk about this as well. Mm -hmm. Nice. So you 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 study architecture in Colombia? Yes, I studied architecture yeah. in Colombia, but I did my Erasmus in uh, Spain in Madrid, and I did my internship before my graduation in the Netherlands. Nice. What made you study architecture? Well, um, I think that since I was a kid, I started realizing that the spaces where we live really 
shape our behavior and are really important. There's not a memory without a place. And the place is completely connected to the feeling of the memory. So uh, I also always wanted to find a way to contribute to, to the world, to the well-being and to the improvement of our society. And I thought that true architecture is definitely something possible um, to do. And also because I think that architecture opens so many doors. It's, it's really amazing. Like you can do so many things and specialize in so many aspects. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It's a very varied and broad uh, career that allows you to experience a lot of things. I remember that once someone told me like an architect needs to know a little bit about everything. I was like, okay. That's true. That's true. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> I want to do that. Yes, yes. And and like was it a tough program to study compared to your friends who maybe study other programs? Yes. Yes, definitely. I think that especially in tide management, um, and also because architecture is somewhere where you have to create. It's not just learning. It's just like what plus one equal. It is. It is creating, and you also have to go a little bit deep down inside of you for being able to produce something and understand from where are you creating it, and then understand also all the implications that your design is going to have. Uh, and definitely, you do need a to know a little bit about everything. You do need to read a lot to to get very involved in the situation. So. It, uh, I don't know if it was harder than other programs, because I like it, so I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, definitely time management and especially the like the um, models and these kind of things that take so much time can be can be very demanding. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And in this episode, we're going to talk about your thesis, which is really interesting. And I will put the link. It's very, very beautifully done. So congratulations for the very beautiful and interesting uh, thesis. So I, I, I'm thinking that you can give us like a highlight, a very short highlight about what is it about, and then we can go into the details. What do you think? Okay, perfect. So um, if it's okay, I would like to read the first extract of the thesis. This, it, it says, this project was born out of curiosity, of wanting to understand how, why, when, and where, from the prevailing need to ask questions, not necessarily to find their answers, but to approach them, approach the subject analytically based on critical thinking. If some answers arise during the journey and development of this project, they will always be welcome. But the primary objective is to water the seeds of curiosity in all those who read this book. Yes, and now we want to listen to your abstract. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is like the like the uh, soul of the project, and more concrete, the body of the project is based on the trying to understand the relationship between city, citizen, and well-being, and how we can influence this relationship. We as as humans, we as citizens, and we as architects, and if we can influence it comes like the question if it's possible to influence it in a positive way in a negative way is it possible to uh, promote certain behaviors so the thesis tries to uh, analyze this question through different perspectives through different areas of knowledge 
taking into account that the city is really it's really just about everything. It's not just about buildings. So we really need to 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 take into account all other areas of knowledge in order to understand how is it working and how we can improve it. So that's like the general outline. Exactly. But what is like the reason that made you focus on this topic or this aspect within city design and, and architecture? Well, I always had a lot of interest like in the different and I mean different according to my normal, to my environment, because at the end everything is normal for someone. And I started wondering like what does it why is so maybe so different the idea of, for example a neighborhood in the north of Colombia by the coast in for example Cartagena or the idea of a neighborhood in Bogota that is 2,600 meters above the level of the ocean. Like, it, it is a neighborhood. We kind of have a normal average idea of what a neighborhood is, but they actually behave in completely different ways. I remember that once someone told me, it, it, this was a person from the coast, and she told me, I want to come back to the coast because here in Bogota, everyone is so cold. The, the the doors are closed. The people I don't know who my neighbor the neighbors are. So I started thinking a lot about this 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 comment. And yeah, it's true that in the coast, literally the doors are always open because it's warm. So how our environment affects us so much, how we can behave and how we can um yeah develop ourselves. So then it become more like um comparing countries, comparing cultures, is it maybe about, yeah, culture, or maybe it's completely random, or maybe there is a little bit of influence of the design. Yeah, but like when you, when you, because the topic is, is, is very big. Yeah. And I can imagine, okay, based on my limited experience, so I can imagine when you tell a professor or a doctor in a university, hey, I want to do my thesis about this they will tell you no 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 this is like really big you need to be very limited within your research question so like how was this journey of okay adjusting the research question narrow it down yeah well it was not so easy i definitely had <laughs> I some imagine. some very good supporters and some in the in the other side and um, so yeah it started with the idea that it is very nice to think about architecture, but we always have to be concrete. And my teacher always told me, you have to touch the, the city. You have to go down to ground it and to make it real. You can't stay like in the world of the, of the ideas. So uh, it was a very um, new process because also I think that as um, architect architecture student, what is expected to me mainly is a building. Mm. So to come up with something so so theoretical was a little bit hard. So it meant that I also had to discover my path step by step. Um, and definitely with the support of, of different te teachers. And it was it was a hard fight to ground it, really. To, yeah, but, but do you recommend like uh, architecture students to also like go more out of what we usually do like designing maybe the thesis end up with a, a proposal of a building or, or a site i will say that the thesis is really for for me the thesis was me 
was really to show who I am, to show what I can do, what I'm passionate about. Uh, and I think that this is, should be that. It's like almost the last chance we have to do something like academic, like without someone telling us what we have to do. So I really think that it should be about passion. And yeah, it's going to be hard if you choose a little bit of a different road than, than the normal building. If you like the, the building, that's perfectly okay. Just do it with do it with soul, do it with art if you want it. Yeah. Go on, go for it. Yeah. So let's talk about like more the content of the thesis. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you started like uh, like you defining what is city and then what is citizen. So yeah, the stage is yours. Okay. Inspire us. So I contemplate the idea of the city citizen as any being that experiences the city from a teenager, adult, baby, low or high income. Anyone who is experiencing the city is part of it. And um, this also means that it has duties and rights. And in this order of ideas and taking into account uh, that we as humans are vulnerable, our nature is vulnerable, we also need to take into account the nature the ecosystem and the environment and they the the ecosystem the nature also has rights and it also needs to be taken into account as part of the city and the city is where everything develops it's like the scenario of our lives and is this like uh, paula is this based on on books you read or or what is this based on well for uh, the development of the thesis like the the I used several methods. Since I didn't know like what, what was the, the path, I started first thinking maybe surveys and maybe interviews are the best way to understand how to develop this. Later, I found out that not really because uh, surveys and interviews are actually almost a whole degree. Like you really need to do it very well if you actually want to have good data. And it's not my case. I'm not specialized on, on surveys or interviews. So then I, I focus more in the research and uh, analysis of archive to check uh, different uh, books, authors, and, um, and books, authors, articles, thesis, in order to generate a very big float of ideas, concepts. Like I really wanted to take a little bit of everything and brainstorm a lot and then being able to filter all the information. And it was very nice because I found a lot of information. It was just a huge amount of information. The majority, very, very specific, very uh, architecture through art, but not architecture through art and cooking, for example. It was, there was a little bit of everything, but they were not connected. So that was my intention to start to connect. And yeah, it was mainly based on on different authors, even your podcast. Your oh, podcast you so was much. a very good help. Um, I don't remember exactly which episode, but it did help a lot. And it was very nice to just hear different ideas that yeah. it's not so easy to find. Happy to hear that. So like a citizen, like could it be may- maybe a visitor to a city? Could it count as a citizen as well? Yeah, definitely. Doesn't matter how long you are there, you are there and you have needs and you are contributing to the good or the bad part of the city. And and yeah, you are definitely a, a citizen, even if 
So if I if I understand you correctly, anybody, any human being within the boundary of a city is a citizen. Yeah. And yeah. this is a little bit tricky, but not only humans, also the animals, also the nature. Yeah. Maybe not as, a, as the whole idea of a citizen, but we do need to understand that they have rights and we also mm. need to be to take into account their needs. So we're talking about every creator with life. Yes. Could it be like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So human animals and nature. Yes. And 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 the city? And the city, the city will be the really like the scenario where our lives develop like the um yeah, the the scenario is the best way like, I could is describe it, like it the f- because the physical infrastructure, like the the hardware, or no? No, that that was a very interesting part to find out that city. We use the word city for describe so many things, completely different things, and it's just like like a, a city in in Norway to a city in Colombia to a city in India they are completely different maybe they belong to the same kind of family but they are really different so what i found out is that a uh, uh, city is more about the idea we have of it and the city at the end becomes really the collective the people what we do of it it's not the buildings it's the space between the buildings and how we are interacting in that space and especially how we are experiencing that space. A city can be awesome, certain kind of city can be awesome for, for example, I don't know, a a journalist or a fashion-related person, um, New York must be awesome. But if you are a more quiet person that you don't like so much interaction, maybe that's not a good city for you. So that's completely subjective. Mm. Because like what we usually, okay, urban practitioners, what we usually have the idea of the city is that it's the physical infrastructure, the hardware. Mm-hmm. And uh, but when I'm listening to you now, you're telling more. It's like about the story or how we. It's, it's the life more, not not really the physical buildings and infrastructure. Well, the physical and infrastructure infrastructural part definitely is very important and is the base for everything to develop. Um, Mm. But the city does not exist without citizens. There can be people, there can be citizens in in a tiny town, but there's no city without citizens. So the infrastructure is super important. We really need it in order to develop certain um, skills or abilities inside of the city but i do think that the the heart and the soul of the city is the the people the bones is the structure so we need both yeah exactly and what what did we learn from the past from the experience Um, so during the development of the thesis the first thing that i found out is that i really like this subject I really like it and I really want to keep learning about it and I'm definitely very passionate about. Um, I also learned that there is a lot of information, so much that we don't have access to it. I don't know if right now 
uh, how does it work different different uh, universities but at least I would have liked to see more information in in my uh, education for example we had four classes of history during these four five years of education but we never had any information about uh, Asian architecture history and I went and I asked to my teachers why we don't have this and they said there's just not enough time but this is very important. So, okay, there's no time for for have it as as the main. But can I can I? Is an election? Is there a class that I can choose? No, there's nothing. So there's so much more information that we need to access and we need to to share. Especially, I learned a lot about that. I also learned that um, well the one of the most important concepts of the thesis is the well-being. So when I started researching for well-being, I noticed that we don't really know much about it and we don't really understand like the whole dimension of well-being. Yeah. After... Because like it's, it's too big, you know, like even me, I, I don't know exactly what is, or when we say well-being, what are we talking about? When we normally... Where, when we were talking about well-being, people normally was thinking about uh, having enough money and basically Feel, that. I mean, and feeling having, healthy, maybe? Yeah, physically well, healthy, but not mentally. That was not part okay. of the conversation. And I do have to say that after COVID-19, this did improve a little bit. I did found... Uh, an interesting amount of of um, documents about well-being and mental health health during COVID, during the the quarantine, but not before and not after. Like very very focused. And well-being is mainly it. It is about happiness. It is about physical health. Also, and very important about mental health. It's also about being able to, for example, trust your government, to feel that you can, that there is there is a base that will support you, that the government will be there for supporting you. It is also about um, feeling the freedom that you can choose different things in your life. So it's a really broad uh, um, aspect. Before we used to also measure like the success of a country through the GDP. Yeah, GDP. Um, and this only talks about the amount of money, the, how, how the country has grown economically. And that's very nice. But that you grow economically doesn't mean that you grow in equity and economy. Mm, yeah. So it's very different. So this is like the 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 um, how you define well-being with the with all these as different aspects within this topic or umbrella. Yeah, and um, it also changes a little bit from culture to culture. For some cultures, it's for example more important to have a car or to um, be more focused on religion. So it changes a little bit, but it is like a a broad. Um, how to say it? Yeah, there there's a lot of aspects that that are involved, and you definitely need to connect the, a lot of dots to first to find out what are the dots, and then to connect them. And um, what I did in the thesis was like a diagram that looks a little bit like a virus, <laughs> a little bit like Corona, 
um, with some some lines of uh, how how this can be related to well-being, and and there's a space there for adding more and more because it's just this is not a static project. The the book it was printed, but but it needs to keep evolving and growing. And the idea of it is that it's a very interactive book that you can participate, that you can um, write down your questions and, and participate of it, that it becomes a, a conversation and it's very inviting to question. Yeah, that's true. I, I will, as I mentioned, I will put the link. But I, I saw it's like very interesting because you have, have to say, you can use it as a guidebook or handbook just to start a conversation and also build on it. So it's it's really good that you didn't have to say. Put a lot of text there. Yeah. And you have a good uh, diagrams, easy to understand. Yeah, it was a big effort to make the book playful. I didn't want to just make a PDF of pages and pages to read because I wouldn't read it. So I really wanted to do it like very interactive, colorful, um yeah with with a lot of information because there there's a lot um with a lot of questions that's like the the base of the project to just make questions there's not a bad question any question helps um and yeah try to make it a little bit more more fun maybe sometimes also architects that try to be very serious and no this is like this and i know it's open and everyone can contribute yeah. So if, if, if you summarize what we learned from the experience, what would you say? Uh, that we need to open more the conversation, to participate and to take action. And action, it doesn't mean that you have to do something amazing and great today. It's the little actions and it's to be able to sustain that action during during certain amount of of time but to understand that as a as a citizen doesn't matter what you do you do have power and you do have a possibility to to promote to increase or to become better citizen so that's one of the most important um yeah the also the need for connecting more the information like there is a lot of information here and there I think that we need to connect it and to think about the city and about our lives more as a as a whole, not like not that what is happening in the other side of the world doesn't affect me. No, it does affect you. It does. So realize that and and use it for not only build back but build back better. Yes, and and you you made proposals. A proposal for, for this. So what is like your, your proposal for this uh, ch- challenge? Okay. And uh, tell us, yeah, tell us about the proposal and please in details. Okay. So there's like several kind of proposals. The first proposal is like the invitation to keep asking and to rethink what is our normal. To understand that the space in which we develop our lives is it expresses itself and is reproducing a system and we are responsible for that system. So the space is saying something and what it's saying is our responsibility. If you feel welcome or if I don't feel welcome is something that the space is saying and we all are responsible for that. 
Uh, also, the comprehension of the vulnerability as a main characteristic of us humans. There's not the conversation about the global warming. It's not about if the world will, will survive or not. Probably the world, the planet that is as it is, will survive much better without us. The issue is, will we survive? It's we who need the, the, the planet, not the planet to us. So we are in, in our um, inherent character, characteristic and vulnerable. And taking that idea into account, it means that we need to take care. Take care of what? Take care of each other, take care of, take care of ourselves, and take care of nature. And conceiving the, the city as a caring element itself, it, is, it, it, it will really change our, our paradigm and our way to see things and to behave. If I think that by me doing, taking certain actions while I walk through the city, I am taking care of someone, I think that that will be a very nice switch of, of ideas. And the, and the more concrete proposal is the system for the intervention of public spaces and a methodological guide on the city that supports all the, in this case, more, more professional people that is involved in creating the city. So the first step for developing this system was to understand what are the main uh, aspects that affect well-being. So the first one is transport. And why transport? Because it literally connects everything. It literally opens the possibility to connect, to go to a different place and to exchange knowledge, information, my, my um, knowledge for your money. It is about connection. And we definitely need it in a city, especially in the very big cities that we are facing right now. And second, uh, the, the public space. Why is it so important? Because it's there where we are developing our lives. Not everyone has a house. Not everyone has a school. But we, all of us, have the street. We always have the, the public space. And I think that we need to understand the public space as an extension of the classroom or of the where are we learning? We always think that we learn our values at home, our knowledge at school, but we are learning a lot in the streets. We understand what is right, what is not. And, and yeah, to, to understand that we are educating people and we are being educated in this way, it's, it's very important. So th those are the two main aspects, uh, transport and uh, public space. And... Um, after that, the, that gave, us the, gave, gave me the base for um, establish the design principles of the care paradigm, like well-being paradigm or caring paradigm. So the first one is cohesion. The infrastructure must be integrated, clear and easy to understand for everyone, for everyone. You don't, you shouldn't need to wonder. It should be super easy to understand. Then number two is inclusivity. Inclusivity for yeah, literally everyone. It must into it must take into account the diverse range of needs of our population. And here I always wonder, like, okay, we for example um, use uh, sound for indicate um, 
that is it's possible to cross the street and this is mainly focused on on people that can see and blind people but what happens for example with a person uh, in the range of the neurodiversity that really doesn't handle so well the, the, the strong sounds so how are we going to contemplate like the more the more um the biggest range of neurodiversity the spectrum the spectrum is the word that i was looking for um because we all are are part of it here is a a little bit interesting story is that when i i first arrived to to madrid i noticed that there was a lot of people with special abilities maybe blind people maybe um yeah different kinds of of abilities and my first reaction was like oh wow i never seen that much people before like this there's not that much people with different needs in in bogota and then like after a week i noticed no obviously there is this amount of people in in colombia especially with our size but I don't see it, see them because there's not the infrastructure for them to be free and to have a life and to go outside. They exist, but they exist inside of the, their houses. And, and that was like really mind blowing. Also first to see my, my initial reaction and then this comprehension was like, wow, we need to do something about this. We really need. So the third one is safety. Safety definitely in infrastructure, in uh, road safety, and perception of safety is also very important. Then number four will be quality. Quality not only in the infrastructure, but also in the laws. To who do we want to give priority? Who is the, the most important part of this society? Is it the pedestrian? Is it the car? Is it the industries? Who will have the the most right and last sustainable sustainable and we normally think about sustainable in terms of of ecology and nature and yes but also in terms of time what is actually possible to to keep to maintain for a long time and to uh, maintain with limited sources resources so those are the five principles um, of the paradigm of care and well-being and after that those principles were the base for the system uh, for the inter intervention of public spaces of the well-being and here it's important to say that this uh, system is it's a guide it's something that can expand and contract it's not about copy and paste because the the project understands since the beginning that city is just a huge thing impossible to define. So I cannot give you a, an equation or uh, yeah an equation that will make your city great, and we all be happy. It's something that you really need to adapt and analyze according to the needs of this specific city. So the first uh, the four uh, phases are uh, before the intervention. You basically ask where is needed, why is needed, why, what is needed. The second is the formulation and verification. Uh, this means to formulate the strategies and then to ask one more time, is this really what we need? Or this is what we maybe architects think that it's needed. Maybe 
there's a little bit more of research that needs to be done. Then is the intervention, apply the strategies and be very open also to the feedback, the, the uh, direct feedback that the city gives to the specific uh, project, but also the indirect. There's a lot happening that is not expressed through words. And the last one is, is very important, that is post-intervention. I think that in architecture, uh, it has become very common to, to just make your building and that's it. Bye. That was, I did my job. I have nothing to do anymore with it. And I'm, one of the most important parts of it is the maintenance, the sustainability. And in the case of the city, the city is definitely changing all the time. The citizens are changing. So the project also needs to be able to evolve until until certain degree. So th these are the, um, the four main um, phases. And in the thesis, I do, in, in this intention to ground it and to touch it and to apply it, I do um, an example of how it could be, it could be used. Can you, can you share with us like the, the example? Uh, yeah. Uh, would it be okay if I share a screen for having that um, help? Yeah, yeah. So you can, uh, you can read from it and so on. So like before you, you get into the like uh, case and describe it to us. So this, what you mentioned is a kind of a guide for professionals when they work on a project, right? Yeah. To like a kind of rethink the different elements within our city, like as you mentioned, mobility, public space, safety, and so on. Mm -hmm. The first part of the thesis is more focused to everyone, uh, everyone to be able to understand a little bit the background of the city, what is happening. Um, really, the, I consider very important the part of understanding that the city is re reproducing a system of beliefs, of values, and we are responsible for that. So that's like very general for a, for a general target. And then when we start talking about the, the principles and the system and the methodological um, guide, it is more focused on, on professionals, not only architects, but sociologists, the economics, the everything. It, I, I have, um, it's very important to understand that our building even if we are more focused in the architecture part of it, our building will have an effect in the in the city. That's exactly what we are doing it. We wanted to, but there's a lot of direct and indirect uh, effects. There's a lot of desired uh, effects and a lot of not so desired ones. So being able to to understand better what is the the like the domino that will happen after our project. So uh, as example, I took uh, Bogota. It was the my city. Well, first Bogota is a very big city. It's approximately ten million people, uh, and the majority of the people honestly doesn't live in in very good conditions. There's a lot of things that we could do better, and it's also a city where the majority of the people comes to the center to work every day. So. Even though we have Transmilenio, that is our fast transport system, and it's a good system, 
is failing because it's not enough. It's just, it can be good, but it's just not enough for the amount of people we have and for the kind of city we have. That means that there's only a couple of centers and everyone comes to, to these areas. So um, the selected area was the uh, 116th Street roundabout uh, crossing with the motorway. So first is like a um, short analyze of what is happening in the area. It's an area that definitely has all the uh, different kind of transport systems. It also has uh, the system for, for the bikes, not completely well implemented, but an attempt. And then we go to the questions for analysis. So we understand that the project has several um, areas that not need to be acknowledged. For example, space, social, economic, sustainability, and urban transport, and philosophy and wellness. So here I propose approximately four questions for every, um, every uh, aspect. These questions have the intention to Dig, dig a little bit more in, in the city, in the area, and trying to understand. Uh, and for example, in terms of space, the first question is, what is the main use of the land in the social part? What does the population living, sorry, what does the population living there needs? Or for example, the economic, is the public space, is public space being used? Because there's a lot of places where there's huge, very big, nice parks, but they are not being used. There is actually a very interesting project like that in Bogota. Uh, I think the name is Parque Tercer Milenio. Uh, that is, yeah, it is a very nice park, but no one uses it. So it's very interesting to try to understand these kind of things. So then we go to the more, um, like, normal analysis about the ecological structure, the uses, the type of businesses. Um, it's also very important to take into account the visibility of the area. Who sees me? If I'm in this point, no one sees me and I, there's no other people is not taking care of me through, through looking at me. So that's very important to understand. Uh, then we go to the diagnosis, and the idea is to um, center more our attention in the qualitative than in the quantitative. So if I, for example, how is the city taking care of me if it's raining and the, and the buildings around are closed? Is there any space where I can walk, where, where I, I don't get wet? Uh, if, for example, uh, I need to, I'm walking with my children, is there restrooms and toilets around? And you had a very interesting episode about that. There's no, there's no public toilets in, in Bogota. So it's because we don't need it? No, we definitely need it. So what is happening there? Or if, for example, I have, if I have an, a, a specific need, like we talked before about the spectrum of the neurodiversity, um, are they visual cues? Are they auditory cues? So it is very important to contemplate different kind of, of needs. Um, well, then we evaluate the, the main problematics of the area in this case. 
the quality of the streets were not good. Uh, the management of the trash was not good. It was an area with a lot of potential because as you can see, it's a roundabout. It's a very important street. All the um, like spaces um, under the building are businesses. But what happened a long time ago is that it was being so successful and it was going so well that the people living around was not happy. They were having a lot of people, especially during the nights. So what they did is that they closed the, the roundabout. They closed it for cars. So suddenly everything died there. Now there's some things here and there, but yeah, but it basically died and no, now no one is using it and no one is paying attention to it. So this area always has been very interesting for me because I always thought we could take so much more advantage of the good parts of it also taking into account the needs of the people living around, especially them, in this case, are the most important. So we also found out uh, yeah, some potentialities, like I told you before, about the shelter for pedestrians or the large amount of space for development and economic activity. So after that, we connect the, the problems and potentialities, we classify it according to the, the what kind of, of problematic or potentiality they are. For example, if they are from physical space or, or is more related to the economic. Um, uh, yeah. So after that comes the compositions of aspects to be in, in intervened. So there is, we have two lines. The base one is the main area of knowledge, the complementary area of knowledge, and the essential area of knowledge. So the essential, for example, is the citizen. We always will need the city. The main area, for example, in this case, was the physical space. And the complementary area of knowledge was the philosophy. And here we are talking about the potentiality. So these are the aspects to be addressed. So about physical space, that is uh, the um, purple one, we start with a, um, the, with a spider, spider net diagram. Um, in order to combine the different strategies according to what the area needs. So you can, maybe you need more of reconfiguration, but you don't need so much of consolidation because it's a well cons consolidated area but maybe you need to recognize better what we already have or we need to recover some aspects of it. So this uh, expand, expands and contracts according to the need of the, um, of the space. After that, we have the um, methodological guide. This one is, it is very interesting and it was very hard to develop. And the intention of this one is to uh, show not all the points, because all the points are impossible, but how the most important points can connect and how everything is connected directly or indirectly. So, for example, um, when we talk... Paola, Paola you, you developed this by yourself? So this was a, a very hard um, process. I developed it with the help of, of my teachers, of mainly my director, 
with a lot of help from from a lot of information that I found online. Um, actually, I think that the the um, one of the ones that helped me most was presented in in one of your episodes. Um, but it was like this this attempt of trying to connect all the information. So there is certainly parts of this that you can find somewhere else because they were the, the inspiration and the, the attempt was to connect that information. So this is like the, the wheel of the well-being paradigm. Then we have the, the next layer is the five principles, safety, sustainability, cohesiveness, um, inclusivity, and quality. After that, the next one is the different areas of knowledge, the main areas of knowledge, like economics or sustainability or philosophy. And after that, the idea is to start focusing more and more and more in, different, in how this applies to the city. So, for example, um, the, when we talk about the... Um, the economic the economic and politics then we talk about commerce and service then in this specific case we talk more about microeconomic and we talk about local economy so how does that represents in the city so in the case of the example that i was showing you it will be those tiny all those tiny locals around the the roundabout how this can be promoted in a better way also taking into account, for example, the sustainability, sustainability in time and uh, in in with natural, yeah, finite resources. So this um, will can also be uh, torn, and for example, then you can apply the the green, the philosophy and history to the commerce and services. What is the philosophy that we want to implement in our economics so everything is really very connected directly or indirectly so after that we need to establish what is the cost benefit of our project does it really make sense to do it or maybe maybe not so much maybe we need to scale down and maybe there's something that has more benefits for less cost uh, and since we are in a capitalistic uh, system, we do need to understand who who will help us to, who will be our, our sponsor and what will be the benefits in short and long, long term. So, for example, in the... Um, in, for example, the local city hall can be very interested in strain, strengthening the community, park network and local commerce. And then, since you already mentioned commerce, maybe some private will be interested in that. And how we can, yeah, connect, like join our forces and and improve the our cities. So then we need to uh, ask the questions for consistency and integration of verification. So we need to again contemplate aspects social appearance of architecture and aspects of uh, landscaping. Because it, it sounds maybe a little bit repetitive, but it because it is. We do have to contemplate on every part of it. We cannot say at any point like, oh, the social aspect is already done. We don't have to think about it anymore. No, constantly. You have to do it. So, for example, we ask questions like, what is the social value of this intervention? 
maybe there's not that much uh, um, economic value, but social a lot. And I think that's something, something that we need to understand as, as cities is that when we have happy citizens, our economy will be better. The, I think that one of the most important things that we can understand as, as cities is that we can use the happiness of our citizens and make them into assets. So this is not about just go completely out of capitalism and only focusing the social. No, it's how we can join both and one contributing to the other. We don't need to be unhappy in a job in order to make a lot of money. We can mix both. So, um, for example, a question asked in the um, section of uh, architectural appearance is, are the materials used in the intervention ecological and local? Or, for example, um, what will be the destination of the elements removed from the space? I know that in certain parts of Europe, you already need to make a, like a guide of what's going to happen with the building that I'm building right now when we need to destroy it. And I think that's super important. And that's something that, uh, according to what I know, has not been implemented yet in Latin America. But it's part of understand the consequences of, of our projects, of our actions, and yeah, in general. Um, and for example, uh, in the uh, landscape aspect, we talk about a lot of uh, how we are preserving the the fauna and flora of the of the area. Uh, if we are going to to make a new project, we still need to contemplate that there's someone living here, maybe a bird, maybe I don't know other kind of animal, and we, we need to preserve that life. We need to take them into account. They have also rights, and we need them. They bring so much uh, good consequences to our mental mental health and physical health that we need to understand that we really need them. So the next one, well, here is uh, I already show how is the intervention according to the problem or according to the potential. How we could start to to use better these spaces without having to use that, that much money, actually. A lot of projects are very possible to do with, with what we have or with not so big um, interventions or budget. So here are, are the both, uh, both examples. So the, um, the idea and development of these images were, the, the idea was like mine. Uh, the graphical part was made by by a very good friend that is also architect, Manuel Amado. Uh, since I was fo focusing so much more, like in the in the theoretical part of it, she helped me with this part. Um, so then, after the implementation, we need to understand what are the effects of the implementation. Have the um, have the project have the results that we expected? Have other results that we we didn't expect, but but is happening. Maybe we thought that this area was going to be used in certain way, but instead the people find a completely different way to use it, and it's working, or maybe it's not working, and we need to to yeah to check how are we going to continue. 
and that is the, like the initial uh, analysis of, of the implementation. And then after, um, after a while, we also need to do a follow-up of the transformation of what is happening in the site. This, um, there's an uh, interesting case in Colombia about the, um, a library called La Biblioteca España in, in Medellín, Colombia. And this library was like super beautiful at the beginning. It won a lot of prizes. It was super good because it was in a in a um, in not so privileged area of the city. So everything looked amazing. And after I don't remember exactly how long it was. If it was just like three three years, the facade started falling. Oh. And and it's like <laughs> what. But it won so many prizes. It was so good, so perfect. So it's like when also arises the question, when should we give a, a prize to a building or to a project as soon as it's open or after three years when we know that it's working? Interesting. Okay, this is a very interesting question, yeah? Um, and yeah, that was it. At the end, the final reflection, I would like to read that part because it was very nice. I, I end up the, the document saying, may curiosity be our engine, may sowing seeds be our means, may we continue working every day for a better society, a more equitable one, a freer one, where we all have our place, where the right to the city becomes a reality. It's, it's really, really interesting. Um... I also like to recommend the listener to to check the PDF, and you will like understand it more with also especially with the interesting diagrams and you made. So thank thanks for sharing and so like how do you recommend us to to use what you produce as a professionals? What is your recommendation to us? I think that as uh, professionals, the most important part is to understand that. Uh, we have a lot of responsibility that we are we are creating. It's a very nice profession because we are creating, and that implies a lot of responsibility. So we need to start thinking more broadly and not only about uh, architecture and buildings, but more about all the all the aspects that are related to the city. So um, just by reading it and being aware that this exists it helps a lot and then try to actually implement it in the in the process of of your project that will be very nice and i'm very will be very happy if you do it i really would like to know about it um but yeah the most important thing is to keep asking questions to to even if you think that you already know even if you already have designed this so many times wonder what new questions you can you can come up with um from which areas of different knowledge maybe asking your friends different people hey how do you feel about this what do you think for me it's super clear that this is a super nice experience and i have a lot of fun here for me it's completely different maybe i don't know my knee hurts so this grass is horrible yeah. for me so so are your recommendation to us as a urban professionals that we we, we read the, the thesis and also use the questions in our projects just like to, to start a discussion mm -hmm. yeah awesome 
Thanks, uh, Paula. And also, again, congratulations. Really, really well done. Thank you so much. Excellent. How was, uh, because I know you also traveled abroad during your studies, so I, I'd love to know more about this as well, because I'm in love also with, with studying abroad. So so t tell me, where did you study yeah. and, and how was it? So um, I studied mainly, I did my degree in Bogota, Colombia. I chose an university that gave me the um, like international options that was since always my my most important part of it because I knew I wanted to to travel to get to new different uh, worlds. So the first option was um, my Erasmus in in Madrid. That was very nice because I thought that I was not going to be selected, but I still tried <laughs> nice. and it worked. Then I, I didn't tell anyone. So then when it happened, I was like. <gasps> What am yeah. I going to do now? What did your family say? <laughs> so they were happy. They congratulate me a lot and they knew that it's something that I always wanted nice, to do. So nice. good job. So they also ask, how are you going to do yeah, it? Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but it's happening. Yeah. So you went to Madrid. How was like, was it the difference in, in culture or no? That was fine. It was... Um, yeah, some some difference in culture, but I wouldn't say that big difference. Uh, actually, in any of my experiences so far, I will say that there's a lot of big and big difference. I would say that there's more like small ones, mm, and it was definitely a very nice experience. I think that when you when you study, when you live somewhere else, also when you travel, but even more when you live somewhere else, you get to know so much more about yourself. And you get like so much, some more, many options of how to develop yourself. It's like, yeah, a lot of things that doesn't exist yeah. in one place now exist in this place. And now it becomes a possibility. And now um, I can I can find myself in, in all these things. It's also, I think that in every place where I go, it, different things have been required from me. As, as Paula so I think that there is a lot of Paulas <laughs> out there I think that there was one in Italy yeah. there was one in the Netherlands because every culture is asking something mm. different from you and you really need to discover how to adapt while still exactly. being yourself you don't, like, you don't lose yourself but you upgrade it somehow mm -hmm. exactly you can add more topics yeah. to the so what did you bring back home with you from all these trips apart from like the academic knowledge but as what is like your biggest learning uh that the difference and diversity is good is something that we should want to have if there's homogeneity in our community in our society there's maybe something we are not doing so well diversity is good is something that we should want and and the difference is is just amazing it's it's just about um, other ways to experience this like human experience i really like the the phrase the the one that says all the roads lead to rome because I think that it's it's about that. I think that at the end, we as humans, we all of us are looking for love, for belonging, well -being. for security, for well-being, exactly. 
and how we achieve that it's it's completely different but we all are trying to achieve the same so being able to live in different places to travel to also in the academic part to study from different perspectives it's just realize there's a lot of more paths and more ways to achieve the same happiness and love and i, I think and like development. there's so many interesting science research about like why you should be diverse and so on because we are working on this also at afri like uh, what what's in it for us if we are more diverse but I, what I think is like, it's interesting for like individual level. It's interesting to see how different people think, approach. So you, you learn a lot of different methods and different ways to achieve your goals. So instead of thinking, okay, this is Mustafa's method and how can I achieve my goals? Maybe I can listen to Paula or I see what maybe Adam is doing and then I can develop my, my, my way of thinking and maybe it's easier for me to, to, to achieve my goal. Exactly. Something that has been very nice for me to, to realize is like the uh, food habits, like the eating habits in different countries. It's so different to Colombia. I remember that when I arrived to Europe, someone asked me like, how many warm meals do you have per day? And I was like, warm meals? Like everything is warm except for cereal and salad, no? And then you arrive to Norway where everything is like <laughs> bread or wasa and like a yeah, yeah. piece of cheese on top. And that is lunch. Weird. And it's like, okay, so now I understand exactly, what a warm yeah, meal yeah. is. <laughs> Do you... <laughs> that that's interesting. Yeah. Did it happen to you also like no. when you came back home after doing Erasmus that you felt that your, um, let's say some, it's important to say some, not all, of your class classmate or or friends they're not really understanding what you're talking about or the experience you had uh, you feel like you became a, a kind of wiser or more like uh, with more experience they are not literally catching up like you're not the same anymore you're not on the same level anymore yeah. did you feel that as well because i felt it here i don't know if wiser not, maybe not wiser not, not wiser but let's say the... like you you're not you don't have the same way of thinking anymore. You're like, you're here and there another level. Yeah, actually that has happened every time that I have gone in a, in a big trip. Um, and it's just so amazing also to come back and see when you see that everything around you is the same, you also notice how different you are now. And that is like, oh, wow, it, it was completely worth it what it took to make that trip. I also spent like uh, five, five, six weeks in, in Mexico, Mexico a couple of years ago. I went by my own. I went uh, without telling anyone, almost anyone. I just went. And then when I came back, it was like, it was like six weeks before. And I was like... From the future. <laughs> I don't know, six years. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I, I felt the same. So, like, it feels like you're coming back. You're, you're like five years ahead, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very nice. And you start to wonder a lot of things. What is normal? Why we do this? Why when you do this, yeah. I feel or I think in a certain way. Uh, a funny uh, di cultural difference mm -hmm. that I found around the world is how we do the dishes. 
like in Colombia, you always always do it by hand with the yeah. with the sponge. As soon as you arrive to Europe, there's the idea of a dishwasher. <laughs> That's already different. And and then when I arrived to Scandinavia, there there was a lot of uh, brushes, like the normal IKEA brush in the uh, by the sink, and I was like. Why, why is that there? Like, what a messy person, I thought. And then I realized how nice it is to do the dishes with a brush. So it's nice. And also, yeah, like to being able to catch myself in that like little judgment, like thinking how messy is this person and then being like, oh no, how you were wrong, Paula. You this is to. what like this is what I'm talking about is that uh, it's about upgrading yourself and the way you think and your beliefs, you know, because we are not always right. And our culture doesn't mean like it's the best culture, perfect culture ever. So even the values, maybe we believe in something. But if you go abroad and explore what's there out there, then you can compare and upgrade and see what is good for you and for the society. Exactly. I think that it just it's adding more more topping toppings. It's it's never uh you it's it's always optional. I mean whatever you learn somewhere else you choose if you keep Yeah, exactly. It, or you say no, I don't I don't really identify yeah. with this. Thanks. I mean yeah. But I mean no. I mean hopefully you can keep it and work on it. In some countries you cannot, you know, because you're not allowed, but hopefully you can do that. So, so like to to finish up this this section about uh, traveling and studying abroad. Do you why? I know that you recommend students to go abroad, but why you recommend them to do that? I will recommend it because it is such a yeah. It is like a boost of in life. It's like yeah, boost in life is um, you get to experience everything like so much more uh real alive that traveling is very nice but when you are living somewhere you really have to understand the the culture the society the social cues how does it work what does it mean this here and i i'm a little bit uh, obsessed in trying to connect the neurons of my brain in different ways because i know that our brains can be a little bit lazy and then we take one path they keep going that path shortcuts so for me to to try to learn different languages, to try to learn different things, different cultures to adapt is to connect my brain in different ways. Um, and yeah, at the end, really diversity is the best that can happen to us. And to I think that one of the biggest privilege is to be able to, to have options and to have... Uh, to have the idea that can come up with questions. Like, I didn't know that I could come up with the question, what is a warm meal? <laughs> now I know that there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. So just yeah. tiny things, but then they express through a lot of very big things and, and it's definitely something that, that everyone should try. Especially, I would recommend to, to maybe change of continent, to do it as extreme as you can. I think that the people in in Latin America needs to see I don't know if it happens to everyone but I think that in Latin America we see Europe like as as better than us a little bit. 
So it, I think that it's very nice to come to Europe and realize that, that here there's also Jewish people trying to be happy. And there's no better. Yeah, like, like, so, sorry, sorry for interruption, but we we do this as well, you know. Like, uh, we say, ah, oh, usually we say, okay, maybe this country is better than ours, maybe this country is better than ours, but we we just assume. But the thing is that mm-hmm. we should be concrete, like in what we're talking about. Are we talking about, uh, I don't know, uh, nature, or are we talking about cars, or are we talking about uh, like exactly. academia? So we shouldn't really assume that this country is better than us. And uh, even by going there, it's not about like just learning, but also about giving, like show what you have in your country and exchanging, you know, it's about exchanging. So even like if you go to Europe, you can, you can teach or, or give what you, what good thing you have in, in Latin America at the, at the same time, like you learn from them and it's about like exchanging. So they are also learn from you. It's not only about you learning from them. Exactly. And one document that I read for the thesis that was super interesting was the uh, happiness happiness worldwide record. I, I don't remember exactly the name, but it, it has a very interesting question, like why Scandinavia is always between the happiest uh, people in the world when they are like so serious, so cold, so, so not, not joyful? And what I found out is the difference between joyful and happy. Maybe we people from a little bit more from the South, Latin American people, we are very joyful and extrovert some, not me. <laughs> um, and, and try to, yeah, like dance and like this like carnival idea that some people has of Latin America. And that is being joyful. But being happy is basically to be able to trust your government, to have access to help, to don't wonder if you have food for tonight, and and to feel free. In Latin America, what what we have is a lot of a lot of good vibe, basically, and a lot of good uh, positive thinking. That yeah, I don't have food for tonight, but I will yeah, find exactly. my way. Yeah, we we have we have the so, same so, like in my home country in Iraq. Like maybe some families, unfortunately, they don't know like if they will eat or not. But okay, the way of thinking, mm-hmm. they okay, we will figure out that mm, what we can do else. You know, we have no choice. Yeah, exactly. So um, and also uh, people from very developed countries, I think that they need to go to less less developed and again with a like a with a yeah. mark there less developed in certain areas exactly, not in yeah. all of the areas but i do think that um our responsibility that we have as humans is to acknowledge True. our privilege True. interesting answer uh paula and are you ready for the final section of this episode yeah and yeah. Uh, it was much faster than i thought <laughs> but yeah <laughs> and it's about uh, you giving messages. We have three questions. The first one is you give a message to yourself. So what is your message to Paula? Well, my message to myself will be like, um, keep calm, <laughs> <laughs> go with the flow. Remember that life is not a linear process. Is again not an equation, not one plus one, then salt, then 
I don't have to deal with this anymore. No. Sometimes you have to take a step back and reconsider. And, and that is not... That is a step back doesn't mean that you are doing wrong. It just means that you're working hard and that, yeah, life is not, not uh, linear. So um, keep asking, keep enjoying, keep traveling, but also remember to rest, to rest enough or then nice. continue. So if I understand between the lines, so recent years or months uh, has been a lot of hardworking and uh, big challenges, right? Yeah, especially, well, yeah, moving from country to country, a little bit of Corona. I mean, I just can't count anymore how many times I have moved in the last four, four years, but every part has been awesome. The Netherlands, Netherlands is a dream come true. I mean, Netherlands, to, to live in Rotterdam also was, was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, it also requires a lot of like internal work. So you can be in paradise. But working, working hard internally. But yeah, everything, everything has a cost, you know. If not money, it's uh, uh -huh. health and uh, thinking and time and energy. So yeah, I, I completely understand you. Yeah, and it's very nice to to get to new to get to know new people. But it also means that, for example, you are not so able to go so deep in those relationships if you keep moving. Because you're moving. Exactly. Yeah, you're moving. You can, people will not invest in a relation with you. Exactly. And the people that you grew up with, they, it's hard to keep a, a long-distance yeah. relationship of any kind. So, so, yeah, it has been working in that area. I finished my degree. That was, I was happy to to have the title but not happy to finish <laughs> i want to keep learning i want to keep doing this and well now is again adapting to, to norway learning norwegian um interesting language <laughs> while while uh, looking for a job that's that's what's happening right now keep up the good work and also like about finding job you will find the job it's a question of time so just like um breathe you know yeah keep exactly calm. keep calm as mm -hmm. how you told yourself and so the next question is about mm -hmm. you giving us the listeners three takeaway messages okay so the first one uh if it's if it was not already very clear keep asking questions all the time ever about what you think you know keep asking even if you for example have been 12 years with with your partner Keep asking questions. People is evolving, things are changing, and I think that the stay teachable. I want to be 80 years old and that my grandkids ask me something and I say, I don't know, let's find out. Keep asking. The second will be with this whole thing of uh, well-being and taking care. Taking care of yourself first taking care of the people you love, taking care of the people around you, the people maybe that you don't know, but the people that surround you in your daily life and, and definitely the planet. It's really time to understand that, that we have so much to gain by very little actions. And uh, an important thing to, to realize here is that we don't need to do everything 
and we don't need to do everything perfect and we don't need to go big. Um, I was reading an article uh, that was saying like uh, coherence is a trap. Co be coherent is impossible and if you are coherent all the time it means that you are maybe are not growing so much. So maybe, I don't know, you don't you eat meat but you don't travel so much by airplane you you choose whatever you want to do you don't have to do anything but do something take care of yourself take care of the people that you love especially if they are apart don't let the distance you and and of the planet and uh, third ah uh, well there's this phrase that i really love from a from a song from hosier that says uh, fall in love just a little bit every day with someone new and it's like in the same way that you are asking questions be able to to maybe experience every day like a kid like wondering and like this idea of falling in love like fall let let you go this thing of no no let you go Fall in love, if it hurts, it hurts, but you, what matters is that you try. Um, yeah, try for everything. Fall in love of, of, of everything you can find. Doesn't need to be a big thing, but um, find that spark in, in everyday life. It's not so easy and it's not, um, if you don't do it, doesn't mean that you are doing something wrong. There's also hard days and days where you say, Sorry, I just can't find anything good today. That's also okay. But yeah, keep falling, falling in love. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. And uh, the last question is uh, you going to ask to us. <laughs> what is your question? Okay, so um, I think that we live in a world that already has given, given us like a list of things to to do in order to be happy. I would like to know what is your own list? What is your paradigm? What is your success, well-being paradigm? What is what actually you want to do in life? And what is what actually makes you happy according to, to you? Not to your culture, not to your family, according to you, what is you, your paradigm? And the other one will be like, how do you take care of those around you? Thank you so much again, Paula. And I'm really happy that uh, you shared with us your thesis and congratulations again. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the good luck with all your projects. Thank you so much. I hope that now that we are so close, we can meet one day. Um, and also congratulations for this podcast. It's awesome. I really think that one of the best uh, first step we can do is open the conversation. To have a safe space for talking about something is a privilege that a lot of people doesn't have and it's a privilege that we need to use. And the work you are doing is, is awesome. Thanks, Paula. Well, thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. 
you learned something new and also got inspired by the guest don't forget to share the episode on your social media and recommend it to people you think they are really interested in this topic thank you so much again for giving your valuable time to urbanistica podcast i am mustafa sharif keep up the good work keep loving cities